Welcome to the Project Purple Podcast and episode number four with Dr. Keith from ProLete, where we talk about injury prevention and recovery. I do not even know Dr. Keith's last name. That's Nobody how does. bad this is. Like, I've known Nobody about does. you. That's, That's a secret. <laughs> I think I've known about you since like I started to do CrossFit yeah. in Bethany and someone got hurt and they were like, Oh, you gotta go see Dr. Keith. And then that started, and then your involvement in Milford and actually knowing, I know Katie pretty well. Sure. And then, you know, our involvement with Project Purple with Milford and yeah. seeing you be part of the team there and go to the games and the regionals and stuff like that. But give us your full name. You want the whole full name? The whole full name, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been keeping that a secret for so many years. This is like, this is like my coming out party. <laughs> so the whole full name is, so the last name is Stegbeagle. It's exactly, which is why you say, you just say Dr. Keith, but yeah, Steig and then Beagle, like the dog, Steig Beagle. And, uh, so I just say, just, you know, it just, Keith is great. So that's that's how Dr. Keith developed. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today and, uh, welcome to the Project Purple podcast. So for the listeners out there, just give us a background, like, you know, how did you get involved and how did this all become and, you know, maybe go through a timeline if possible and, you know, give us a little bit of your history because other than knowing you from CrossFit, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know much and my wife is a patient here at Pro League. Um, So love to hear more about it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my, my brief, uh, uh, intro to myself is, um, Let's see, I've been doing the world of physical therapy now for about 20 20 plus years. Um, I was an exercise physiologist uh, previously. I was a collegiate swimmer um, in Ohio. And uh, basically, when I was going through my undergrad, which was exercise physiology, I had to do a rotation uh, within something of the field. And I ended up doing it with a a small town physical therapist uh, in, in this rural area of Ohio, uh, and I, I loved it. The guy had this cool little niche, it was himself and an assistant, and I just loved the idea of, of how he dealt with patients on a daily basis. My whole family's in medicine. I grew up in medicine, uh, you know, long, long line of physicians, and um, but I didn't know anything about physical therapy. But what I liked about that is the amount of time you could spend with his patients and, and still have that investigative uh, avenue of working through problems and solving problems and, and, and then on top of it having time to work with them afterwards. So after uh, after I finished my college stint um, and being an athlete I was around obviously um, you know athletic injuries I had my, multiple shares of my own. Um, uh, I came to Connecticut and uh, got into a practice um, here and, uh, you know, with my exercise physiology background and decided to go back and it just developed from there. So I went on to my grad work in PT and eventually my doctorate in orthopedic clinical, uh, physical therapy. And, and here I am 20 years later and been doing private practice for majority of that and, uh, ProLete, um, developed a few years ago. I've been working with the CrossFit world now for probably six, seven years, um, uh, with, Jason over at uh, CrossFit Milford, uh, which has been you know nothing but a joy. And then with that, I've had the opportunity to to work with you know the comp athletes there and travel and you know been to the regionals with them, obviously multiple every year. And then the last uh, I think uh, four years now, I've been to the games with them, which has been great. 
working with everybody from the masters athletes to the the team and the individuals and just being more and more part of that community has been nothing but fun. Um, and then obviously my practice niche is sort of having a sports medicine background, which I had, uh, you know, I brought more of the CrossFit world into that. Been doing CrossFit myself now for seven years and it's allowed me to have a better knowledge of the sport. And then, uh, you know, working more with athletes of all levels and different types, it's just been nothing but a joy. So that's my nutshell. Awesome, awesome. Where'd you go to school in Ohio? Oh, College of Worcester. Okay, yeah. yeah. Worcester. 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 Not so. Worcester, Mass. Worcester, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, I went to Roger Williams. Oh, you did? And we played, Yeah. this is a small, funny story, we played the College of Worcester at the Carnegie Mellon uh, Thanksgiving Day Tournament my sophomore year. No kidding. And so <laughs> we were the only unranked national team yeah. going into that tournament. Yeah. We were the, we were the, like, the layup for the, the, the home team, Carnegie yeah. Mellon, which they, I think they were ranked... 20th uh, College of Wooster yeah. was ranked like 15th yeah. and then Roanoke College was ranked like 7th <laughs> yeah so we got the winner we got well we lost we ended up losing by like 40 and uh, I remember we were watching the second game because we were up first because we had Carnegie Mellon as the host school and so you had College of Wooster yeah. versus Roanoke yeah two very different schools um, you know, you had College of Wooster, which was very fundamentally sound. They all look like Larry Bird, yeah, <laughs> literally and do. physically. Totally. Um, totally. Was and, then had, and then you had uh, Roanoke, which was super athletic. They were super. I mean, they, their point guard was like six foot five. Right. You know, s- extremely athletic team, extremely fast break. But College of Wooster was very uh, slow the pace down, pick pat. You know, very fundamentally sound. Um, and they ended up losing, so we ended up playing them in the consolation game. No way. And I remember, uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, we were just like we were like it was ping pong balls because yeah. we were getting picked so by like these giants, these giant like Ohioans. Yeah. You know? So it was just uh, yeah. it was a fun experience. But uh, you know, looking back, I can laugh at it at the time. You know, getting beat. I think we ended up getting beat by like forty points. Yeah. And I remember the assistant coach for us came over and said, "You guys just got blown out by a bunch of Larry Birds, <laughs> you know, a bunch of these white guys that could just like yeah. play fundamental basketball, shoot, and just pick." I mean, it was just like giants. That was man. Worcester. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's funny. It's yeah. Small world. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a trip. That's a trip. There you go. Well, that's uh, that's great stuff, Keith, and uh, appreciate sharing the background on there. And uh, I want to talk a little bit. You know, you just explained here off the mic. You know, the the practice here and what you guys do here was kind of really fascinating. So, I mean, for the audience at home, um, share with us, like, you know, Pro Elite. You're partnered with a rheumatoid, uh, I believe. uh, So, so we have so the office space we share is with you know it has a, a. a rheumatologist, rheumatologist in a practice, yeah. yeah. So they practice um, rheumatoid, you know, they work with rheumatoid uh, and systemic type of diseases. Um, so our only, our true relationship only is that we share a roof. Um, however, because of that, it gives the opportunity to work together um, clinically as well as colleagues um, to share patients and share our, our expertise with one another. Um, obviously, our background is more stronger with the orthopedic sports medicine and their background is stronger with more of the systemic disease processes. And there is correlation, and I've had that come across. I mean, there's a, there's a CrossFitter that uh, came to me a few years ago, uh, very, very 
strong guy, um, lifting tons of weight, you know, able to do whatever he wanted, very, you know, gymnasticky at the same time, but he started losing the abilities to work with his wrists, uh, getting under the bar and became more and more of a problem. Then other joint uh, issues started coming up, stuff you would normally see and not be shocked by with CrossFit. Um, but as I worked with them, different flags started going off in my brain that there's something else going on here. Uh, and quizzing uh, him a little bit more about his past history, come to find out there was uh, some psoriasis uh, in the family, and, and, and which is a skin, uh, skin disease uh, issue, which carries along the trait of psoriatic arthritis. And uh, once we realized that, I was able to have him see uh, Dr. Carlson, who I share the space with, and she was able to get him on some, uh, some, you know, some treatment with some medication, um, and uh, his symptoms completely cleared up. Um, and that could have been one of these scenarios. He could have been bounced around from, you know, orthopedist to physical therapist for a very long time treating musculoskeletal problems when there was a systemic uh, inflammatory background to it. So just having that um, relationship was, you know, very, very helpful. Uh, and just having that, the ability to sort of recognize those things that they may, you know, walk and talk like a duck, but sometimes you have to look at it from the other angles. And uh, so that's just, you know, a simple example of having that, that relationship and how well it works, um, you know, having that community around us here. Um, our, our job here at ProLead that I, I feel we do a very good job at doing is, you know, a lot of, a lot of scenarios, you, you know, people will come to me and say, oh, I've had therapy, I've had this, I've had treatment, and I ask them what they, they've done. I say, well, it's great, uh, but for the most part, you've treated your symptoms, you've treated your, your, your complaints. Um, you haven't really treated the problem with the pathology. I want to I want to peel this back a couple more layers and figure out why why are you having these problems? Why are you having these complaints? Why are you here in the first place? Yeah, I can make your pain feel better for a while. That's not a problem. But you know, the, I think the hard part is let's figure out what gave you the pain in the first place. And and so looking back, we really take people apart mechanically and, and sort of look at what you know the other issues may be that started this in the first place. And then that circumstance, it wasn't a mechanical problem. It was a, it was a systemic problem. It was some, another disease processes that needed something outside of my scope. Um, but others, you have to look at it and it could be something mechanical has nothing to do with that body part, but a region that surrounds it. And if that's not working correctly and it's faulty, that creates its own imbalances and pain and problem. And until you fix that, it's going to be a, a continual ghost of pain. You're going to be chasing on a daily basis. So, um, that's what we, that's our focus here. That's what we try to do. So with that being said, cause this is a very, you know, something you said is very interesting to me. Um, and, and one of the questions where I, I wanted to ask, you know, is so I man, I know your involvement with, uh, the games athletes, but there's six to a team or, you know, there's how many individuals. So that's only sure. about 10. So yeah. the majority of your days aren't just filled with dealing with these right. competitive professional athletes or semi-professional athletes. So it's probably a lot of weekend warriors I, and people absolutely. that have nine to five jobs that mm -hmm. CrossFit, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon or run mm -hmm. um, or do other sorts of activities. So what, in your professional opinion then, is it, you know, from an injury perspective, the majority of the injuries of people that come in, is it overuse? Is it poor training? Is it uh, possibly, you know, equipment related, you know, with runners just having the wrong shoes with CrossFitters, maybe the coaching or the teaching or the fundamentals 
uh, of that person's CrossFit background, like, hey, they never learned how to clean properly mm-hmm. before. And, you know, they have wrist issues or elbow issues mm-hmm. or maybe a tennis, you know, someone who's an avid tennis player just, you know, has got the wrong racket, mm-hmm. you know, possibly. So in your professional opinion, the majority of the injuries that do come in, where do you think they stem from? Sure. Um, so to, to back that up a little bit, we do see every walk of life. Uh, I've see, we see amateur athletes. We see high school kids, middle school kids. We see, I got a guy in here who's uh, about 68. Uh, he's a runner. He said, I'm never going to stop running. I, this is what I do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I understand that. I get that. And uh, let's work with that. So um, we, you know, and sometimes it's uh, somebody that wants to just stand up better. And then they have a hard time getting out of the chair. I have a gentleman who comes down from North Haven two days a week. Uh, he started in a wheelchair and he's now uh, using a walker only. And uh, last week, or actually Monday, he was here. He was able to stand up in my rig uh, in front of the bar and let go and be able to actually stand on his own and do some activities. So the nice thing is we get we get everything. To sum up your your question, um, so the answer is yes, which is easy. Um, it is it can be all of those things. It can be poor it could be poor mechanics. It could be poor equipment. It could be poor uh, training. Um, I've had some very high level athletes come in here. I've had professional athletes of almost every sport come through here. Uh, and sometimes I'm surprised and how well they're able to do their their sport and how they move. Um, uh, so it, all those things, I go back to the same philosophy. The body, the body is sort of like water. It'll always get there one way or another. It, it finds a path. Whether it's the best path for the body, um, it will get there and it will perform a movement. Um, my job and I... You know, we are considered movement dysfunctional specialists. So we look at movement patterns and try to look for where there may be a dysfunction within that pattern. Um, so it's going back and looking at them and say, okay, well, yes, you are able to go from A to B. Uh, and wow, you actually do it pretty well. But um, you now you're doing it with pain. So let's go back a level. And then this goes back to my original comment about finding that true pathology and looking at you know, what they're doing wrong or if it's even wrong or what they're doing differently. You know, I have a, you know, that runner, um, he was coming in now with severe ankle pain and he can't run. And that's, you know, for a runner, all he wants to do right now is run. That's a big deal, right? Um, and going back, talking about the equipment issue, he changed shoes. He went from a, a running shoe to a, a new shoe that has a zero, a zero platform shoe, which, you know, had a bigger splay in the toe. And one of his buddies said, this is the best thing on the market for runners right now. You got to try it. And he ran with it for a while. And. And, you know, again, picking away at it, we realized, well, did you change anything? And the shoes came up and you brought them in. I go, well, I think this is your problem. You went from here in terms of a support of the back of the leg, the Achilles, the gastroc, the tendon. And then you dropped it down a little bit, which made you have to stretch a little bit more every time you stride length. And then you got a, a tendonitis and inflammation of the tendon attachment. So, A, we have to settle that down. But, B, we have to go back and and either change the shoe or work you down to this shoe if this is the right shoe for you. Because um, I know your forefoot likes this shoe better, but right now your rear foot does not. And so we put them in a little bit of a lift and we're gonna slowly titrate that lift down to see if he can maybe get to this shoe because the rest of the shoe works for him. It's just, that was too big of a jump for him. Um, Interesting. So it's again, 
sometimes it's equipment, sometimes it's you know mechanics. Uh, but he also, when looking at him, he stood in a posture that he was so forward, but his legs were so far back. It was a very interesting posture that because his his pelvis was pushed back so forward, far back, his chest was forward for balance. And he turned his quads off. He wasn't really using them um, because he was just sort of hanging out on the ligaments of, the, of his limbs. And once we started teaching him how to use use the quads to balance through the legs, all of a sudden the rest of the posture chain going up up the up the cycle and he said he's been feeling better overall with you know other pains he didn't even realize he was really complaining of so um again sometimes it's not just that focal point of where you have to look you have to look above and below and see what else is going on i would hate to bring you to the new york marathon or chicago <laughs> marathon you'd probably be having a panic attack as these runners are going by in all this distorted form yeah, i love know. it it's like wow look at that one. <laughs> or standing at the finish line with yeah, business cards exactly. <laughs> no, it's just great to see people like wow like, like I, I would never guess they would be able to move that long and that far with the way they look right now but they do it's like it's it finds a way you know and sometimes you don't change it sometimes some things are the way they are and and that's not what needs to be changed. You know, other stuff we have to look at. Um, you know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the obvious isn't the problem. And yeah. uh, and you know, sometimes you have to leave some things alone. They've they've morphed into some body positions because their body needed that. Yeah. You know, from a stability standpoint, you can start stretching things that really shouldn't be stretching. Then all of a sudden, the rest of the stuff may be breaking down around it. You know, I'm starting to look at other avenues. I try to stay in the research and looking at other things like eccentric training of, of tissues, elongating muscles eccentrically versus just stretching them statically. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, I might be some very good results in here with that. And we're seeing some different changes with, uh, with some studies that, you know, I read and some athletes are doing it that way. So it's fun because things are always changing and, you know, what was done then is not always done now. And, what we're doing now, who knows how that's going to change. But if we keep sort of pushing the envelope of looking at things, then that's how we're going to make some changes down the road of hopefully improving the way we look at the, at the body and how it works. So do you think, and, and I, so I have a couple notes here just mentally. So um, I went through U.S. track and field training and mm -hmm. I've, I've been kind of a, not an avid, well, I was crossfitting for a couple of years to just take a break from the, all the running that I was doing. Yeah. And I remember going to the U.S. track and field training and they brought in a biomechanics coach. Mm -hmm. Part of the, the training was biomechanics and learning that. And they were talking about fast twitch and slow twitch. And yeah. We are all, everybody has a, a certain percentage of fast twitch and soft, or fast and, and um, slow. Slow, yep. yeah. Crossover, yep. So do you think then... Because this is an interesting concept, what you're saying about the stretching, that if you are, if your body is made up of a majority of fast twitch, then you should not be running long distances, mm. or you should you should be stretching properly, in in a in a uh, either static or fast way, depending on the type of muscle fibers that you have that make up your body, mm -hmm. and vice versa can be said for like CrossFit. Like mm -hmm. I always have found for me, like I had the engine to run marathons, or I. I got there and then right. I went from running marathons into CrossFit and I struggled, man. I struggled for like two years to just kind of get those seven minute burners. I couldn't do them. You know, I just like, I, I stuck, I sucked at them, yeah. but like Murph, I love Murph. Right, you know? right, like, Murph that Murph on all it was day. like yeah. 50 minutes, you know, or whatever, 45 yeah. minutes. I was like, this yeah. is great. You know, yeah. that second mile, I was like catching my, uh, my, my, my rhythm, you, you know, just warming up in an eight minute email. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, so do you think like that's important for the average person and even for, you know, these professional athletes to understand? Definitely. I think, um, you know, we're all built a little differently, so we can't all same use the same, you know, protocols for whether it's warming up or movement or stabilizing, stabilizing or warming down. Um, you know, I think dynamic warming up is, is, you know, it should be used more of, especially in the beginning. And especially if you're more of a fast twitch type of person, getting those, those tissues to respond dynamically um, is going to get those tissues ready to respond when they're asking to jump and dive and throw and, and you know, do a burpee up over a box and, and not try to crash your, you know, your shins into it as I say at the same time. And yeah. So, yeah, no, I think we have to look at that and, and, you know, I, we're getting better at it, you know, within the short period of time that I've been around CrossFit, I've seen a dramatic improvement in, in the intelligence, how we work with people. Um, just even thinking back five years ago and how, you know, some of the stuff was looked at and trained, um, it's been great improvements. And I think what's happening is we're getting more and more, I don't want to say better, but more qualified people that understand the science of, of exercise mm -hmm. involved in the sport uh, because the sport has taken off in a way where it's a little bit more, I'm going to call it mainstream, but more just out there. And, and people are it's like, you know, before it was like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, these guys carry rocks around and do, you know, 60 overhead, you know, this and that, they're idiots, they're going to, you know, burn themselves out. And people are like, well, you know what, there is some benefit to doing some of these movement patterns if you do it correctly. Um, so the eyes are opening to that, and then with that, you're bringing more intelligent people into the field of how we can make it better. And that, that's been, I think, a, a huge thing for it, which has been nice. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll only continue to improve that way. But, yeah, not everybody should, you know, fit into the same package of their warm-ups, their warm-downs, their, and, and their in-betweens because, you know, they all have different body types coming into it. They all have different backgrounds, whether it was long-distance running, whether they were sprinters, whether they were Olympic weightlifters, whether they just really like to work out in the gym and now they want something else to do um so it's uh you have to sort of take that consideration yeah so if you're someone listening to this podcast right now and you don't know whether you're fast twitch or slow twitch how would they find out you know that's that part's sort of easier it's sort of you know what are you better at where do you do you enjoy to you know, are you gonna go out and do those long haul runs and it's like yeah i'm gonna get out there and let those endorphins flow <laughs> and feel great or you think about anything over a mile, like, no way, man, I'm just going to, you know, I'll go to the mailbox and back it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm done. Um, you know, that usually tells you a little bit about yourself. Um, can you develop both sides of the coin? We've seen that, that you can make some changes there. Um, you can at least be more comfortable on the other side that you may not have been uh, doing so much of in the, in the past. Um, but, yeah, you're going to know, like, you're, some people are ready to go after a few minutes of warming up. Some don't feel good until they're halfway through their second round of, uh, you know, four sets of, of, you know, 10 minute workouts or something like yeah. that. And, you know, you're not good until the second set and you're like, okay, I'm finally warm now. Um, and I finally feel like I can move better. Um, so a lot of it goes back to just listen to yourself and your, and your own body and, and then deciding from there. And then, you know, if, if that's still a mystery to you or how you move, then find somebody that's in your area that, you know, if they're a good sports medicine back, you know, background or a sports PT, you know, and have a session of going and say, here's, here's me, watch me move, watch me, you know, move around a little bit and, and what kind of uh, insight can I get from you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think, uh, in staying on this whole injury and, you know, muscles and, and how you move, mm. do you think 
in today, as we are here in 2018, technology has benefited athletes or has it made it worse? Um, just because, you know, you mentioned the shoes, right? Mm -hmm. We're just mentioning the example, but there's other types of technology. Naturally, the shoe evolution has been pretty fascinating, yeah. you know, from, you know, I think what, like four or five years ago, there was the, uh, the, the notion, the, the, like the, the socks. Yeah, the, the finger uh, shoes. Yeah, the yeah. finger <laughs> shoes, right? And now they're not even sold, right? Like right, you can't right. even buy yeah. them, you know? Uh, there's a class action lawsuit right. that's still going on because right. someone said like it ruined my whole, like the way I was moving and everything. Yeah. And I remember when I, I think when I first started CrossFit, like people would use those. Oh yeah, like, I saw them in there. I was like, are you crazy? Like, yeah. I just don't want a, a, something to fall on it. Oh, I was waiting for a barbell to take yeah, off take, half, you know, yeah, a couple toes. Take on a couple toes. I remember uh, one of my first uh, marathons, I saw a guy, and you still see it nowadays, you know, at the bigger marathons, like these mm -hmm. barefoot guys, which yep. I just think, you know, and there are books that talk about, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the, the true form of, of running, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how, you know, if you look at our ancestors when they were running, you know, that's, uh, that's how they ran. That's how they ran, but that's how they also developed, and they didn't have shoes growing up. Their, their foot splayed early, and they, you know, they their foot patterns grew into these positions. It's it's what their bodies morphed into. So yes, that's how they would run because they didn't have you know a pair of Reeboks to throw on. It's so uh, we're soft, is what we're saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> we just form differently. You know, we've had basically we're, you know, as a as a toddler, you have shoes on with, and then you know you get the oh. toddler shoes. Yeah. You know, I mean, they got crib shoes. Yeah, uh, I, I still remember uh, my kids were, were toddlers, babies, and we were and, and uh, dropping off our kids one day, and there was another family there, and they go, "Oh, we we got our our kids the uh, crib shoes, so make sure whatever in the crib they have their crib shoes on." And I looked at them like, uh, "Do you realize that's just the name of these things?" <laughs> but you know, we we put shoes on them pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So, um, and so the foot is actually it develops pretty early on. You know, from an orthotic standpoint, you know, orthotics are more of a supportive uh, material um, in, when, you know, in our you know, area of life in terms of uh, age. doesn't You can't really make foot changes after, you know, the first, you know, maybe five years or so. And uh, the, the first early onset, you can start to get some foot you know, morph changes of, of the bone tissue and how it changes. But after that, it is what it is. And um but that's what i'm saying if you grow up barefoot running and then and barefoot be, running is what you're gonna do yeah, yeah. so in terms of technology though uh, so yeah is, has it been better for uh you know athletes as a whole mm -hmm. not just crossfit um as an evolution but just athletics and maybe i don't know if maybe you can look back the 20 years you know this maybe it's the severity of injuries now are are greater than they were maybe 10, 15 years ago, and maybe that could be related to technology or uh, some other abstract thing that's happening within sports as a whole. Right. That's a good question. I mean, technology is obviously, when it's used correctly, is very, very helpful, I think, in helping us look at the way we train, how we train, and what, we were, what we've been doing in, in the training patterns. Um, I mean, even as simple as videotaping. I mean, you know, you go back... 20, 30 years ago, no one videotaped anything, and now you you know you take everyone's videotaping everything. You know, half the time it's for your social media feed, but you know, yeah. <laughs> if you maybe stop and look at it before you put it on there and look at yeah. your mechanics, it can be it, there could be some useful hints there. Oh yeah. Um, um, so in those regards, there can be a lot of helpful scenarios. Um, 
some of the some of the you look at some of the technology i mean you look at football i mean the technology of football with the helmet has gotten better and better but now is that so good for football the guys are hitting probably twice as hard because they feel like they're twice as protected but yeah. we're getting twice the number of concussions and other injuries so sometimes technology can sort of you know come back and bite us um, based on those scenarios um, and so it really goes back to how you're using the technology um, and, and keep it in sight what it's used for and, and you know what you know what other benefits you know you can use can you use with it um, it, it's such a it's a broad thing to say but um, you know there's so much stuff out there and it's developing at such a fast pace whether it's you know looking at um, you know you know blood level glucose and, and, and lactate levels and you know, analyzing you know different um, uh, our, our physiological systems as we as we move or if it's looking at mechanical uh, mechanics in terms of different ways of slowing things down I mean and then you know even barbells have changed you know the, the barbell itself is changing on a daily basis we see these new barbells come out and like this one's like wow that one's sweet versus that one and, you know how they spin faster and are we allowing us to maybe to pick up more weight than we normally could which is maybe great or maybe it's more than we're ready for. I don't know. Um, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing, um, you know, almost like the computer, I always say it's garbage in, garbage out. Sure. Right? So we have this great technology, but it's a matter of, like you said, if you're using it properly, if you it can work yeah. wonders. But if you don't use it the right way, which is easy to do, mm -hmm. right? Like whether you are, you know, with recovery or with diet mm -hmm. and with, video as yeah. you said like you yeah. know how many people videotape their workouts right. but how many people actually go back and look like yeah. you know are, are are there are they in the proper posture or is right. the bar really you know are set they, up like yeah yeah just to relate to crossfit but yeah. even i know with track and field you know like yeah. just like cadence and stuff like that and i find it more from a running perspective too is like well I, we were just having this fascinating conversation um down at wadapalooza mm -hmm. with uh, the assault fitness guys and talking about the treadmill and how that might change you know, the CrossFit community to become a better runner because now you have a, a piece of equipment mm -hmm. that's there similar to the true form. It's exactly sure. uh, yep. similar, similar. Uh, so I'll go back to the Woodway, which was the original one of these. And, mm -hmm. you know, and what's really funny, that was originally built more as a rehab equipment. That oh. it, it was because of the slope in it, you know, it's meant to kick on the posterior chain. I mean, the, mm -hmm. people get on that and they can't figure out why their, their, you know, their calves and hamstrings are killing them on that yeah. thing after running i just ran like a, maybe a mile top in that thing versus on outside because it's because of the slope, slope it changes yeah. the way you run it, it it causes the posterior chain to kick in differently um so it's another way that technology or a change in what we we're using is to change the way we do things for the better hopefully for the better yeah, for yeah. <laughs> well I, I ran on uh the milford one last week yeah i asked jay if i could uh run on it and i uh i was like hey i think i could do a 10k and uh, jay wrote back like yeah go for it right and, like, throw up sign right yeah so i was like yeah whatever man it's a 10k like i'm used to doing that all the time sure and uh nick del grand i told yeah. him too and he's like dude you're crazy so i went and uh I, I could only get a 5k out of it yeah and i was telling uh vin and and everyone else was uh the first problem was I didn't set myself up looking at the speed and the pace. Mm -hmm. For me, I was used to being on a treadmill, traditional treadmill, and just hitting seven miles, and then you just go. You lock yourself in. Yeah, you lock yourself in, you go. 
And and then the second thing, it took me about a mile and a half to figure out, you know, just body position on yeah. that is just really fascinating to me yep. that you could actually just by leaning forward a little bit, how much more speed yeah. you pick up, you know, it's just really, really, really fascinating to me. So it's like those uh those hover things you sort of lean forward on, lean oh, back. Yeah. Hover segway. Segways. Segway. Segway. Yeah. It's like a segue, right? Yeah, yeah. segue, yeah. So it's really fascinating, but uh good stuff there. Do you think you know, with all this, you know, and I, I guess I call it like the Tiger Woods effect. You know, every child is going to be the next Tiger Woods, right, yeah. which we, we don't like looking back. I guess <laughs> we went back five years. You can say that, yeah. you know, now it's probably a different story given his fall. Yeah. But, um, you know, regardless, you know, all these parents with this push to start younger, do more. You know, it's a big business, um, these indoor training facilities. Mm -hmm. And when I grew up, I played three sports. You know, in the fall, I was playing, um, you know, soccer. Mm -hmm. I was doing basketball in the winter and then baseball in the summer. Mm -hmm. Now you see kids at, at a young age, a very young age, uh, 10 and, and sometimes even as young as 8, sure. playing soccer all year round. Yep, picking that sport and that's all that's they do. That's all they do. Yep. So do you think, twofold, do you think coaching has been an issue in terms of prevent uh, injury mm -hmm. because you have poor coaching because naturally you're never going to get great coaching at every single level mm -hmm. along the way for that long period of time. And then also from the youth's perspective of kids starting so soon and so right. young and focusing on one sport. So right. you're constantly using like baseball, for example, right? Like if you're a pitcher and you've been pitching since eighth, since you're eight years old, mm -hmm. throwing a baseball, now you're you're 18 years old, and yeah, you're throwing 90 miles an hour, but how much do you have left? Right. And I think we won't know some of that until even later on. You know, my my shoulders are pretty toast from <laughs> from college swimming. My, I was a butterflyer, and because of that, uh, you know, I, my shoulders are in bad shape. Uh, and I swam for 16 years competitively. So, um, but I think going back to what you said about, you know, the coaching is interesting because some coaches are coaches. They're not looking at the kids other than I'm going to coach them in the sport. And the problem is when we have these kids year round, there should be other avenues that that's taken into, into consideration. The, the pre training, the, the workout that should be, you know, involved with that sport to make that sport, that sport better, safer, stronger, which isn't being done. It's usually it's the same drills over and over and over again, you know, sport specific. You know, versus out going outside of that, say, okay, well, maybe we should also train these kids, you know, to be able to handle other avenues of movement patterns, which they're not trained to do. It's not their fault. Uh, they're trained to basically say, I'm going to teach you soccer, and that's all we're going to do is soccer, soccer, soccer. Um, you know, there's probably two ways of looking at it. If a kid's always doing soccer and they develop as a soccer player and their tissues develop to handle soccer, they'll probably always do okay doing that. Well, they'll have some overuse injuries here and there, absolutely. Um, again, if it's handled correctly, you can probably get them out of it. Uh, I worry more about their, their burnout. I see more just, just the mental burnout after a while, you know, it, it's a job and it's a chore to go out in that field and it's no longer fun. And when it's no longer fun, then, then what are you doing it for? You know, even you want to be that professional. If you get to that stage, you know, God bless you, but still having fun though. And, um, I, that's where I you see the biggest, you know, the loss of, of athletics and, and, and sports where kids are just doing something year-round. I've seen too many kids that were very, very talented go year-round, year-round. Their parents thinking, okay, scholarship bound, we're going to get this. And they get their senior year of high school. They're like, Dad, I'm done. 
I am toast. I don't want to do this anymore. They're like, what do you mean? This is our ticket to college. Like, I don't want to play softball. I don't want to play soccer. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and it's it's a tough thing for the kids. It's a tough thing for the parents. Um, but I think if you don't allow those kids to explore other avenues of athletics, um, sometimes that can you know, affect both the body and the mind in terms of you know, going forward. And we know athletics is, there's a huge mind component. Once that mind's no longer in it, it's hard to make that body go to that next level of performance. So um, we have to sort of treat both ends of it. Um, and so I think that's where we have to sort of look at it, not just the overuse injuries, which we can we can deal with. We can fix that if we really want to, but it's the uh, it's the over ment overuse mentally of like at some point give this kid a break and let him try something just to play with, you know, another sport or something else that allows those tissues to keep moving that they can keep doing things. Um, but they have a little bit of a mental break to have fun, too. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, mentally, once the kids are checked out. Once they're done, they're done. Yeah, there's, they're no, done. there's no bringing it back. And I've had so many family, friends, uh, or people that I've gotten to know over the years where kids were AAU, 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 mm -hmm. get scholarships, and then after a year, they're done. Yeah. Like, they're done, you know, and... That's, that's, you know, eight years of their life and money that's sure. been invested in trying to get to that level. They get to that level, but then they just check out because yeah. they just, they're done. Yeah, my son's a wrestler, and you know, I remember he started in, I think, fifth or sixth grade, and was driving over to practice, I think his uh, seventh grade year, and he's like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, we just signed up for this. He's like, nah, I just don't want to wrestle right now. I'm like, Huh. So I get there, I talk to the coach, and he's like, look, this is a tough sport. They don't want to do this. They, 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 don't, they don't want to do it. And this is not a sport you can you know, sort of force them to do. He's like, you know, and he told me, he's like, my son, who also took a year off, he's like, I didn't want to do this anymore. His son came back after having a year off, came back and became, you know, a uh, state title holder, college wrestler, is phenomenal, like, you know, you know, one in the state, you know, just an amazing wrestler. Uh, and my son took a year off and he came back the next year. He's like, Dad, I want to wrestle in high school. So I want to wrestle now to get ready for high school. So he was ready. He needed that year off. Yeah. And it's sort of trust in the process. You just got to let him do it. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say lucky for him and lucky, you know, that he wanted to go back. I and mean, if he didn't, and hopefully it'd be something else he would have found. But he did and it worked out. But having that year break that they wanted to initiate, you have to sort of trust him and let him run with it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, to, just how much a year? One year, you know, it's all it is. Kind of reset. Yeah, which to them it seems like you know a huge amount of time. Unfortunately, we know how quickly that goes now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Um, so to talk a little bit about uh, recovery. I've always been fascinated about recovery from the running perspective, and then with CrossFit and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the things? I mean, it, it's wild. Um, you know, we started Project Purple. I started Project Purple in 2010 and we were starting to run and everyone was talking about like ice baths, right? Mm -hmm. Like runners yeah. do ice baths. And then now you've got these freeze, I call them these freeze tubes. Yeah, the you know, cryo you chambers. Cryo chambers, right? Yeah. And then there's, now you've got the sleeves, you know, that do the compression. And then, you know, there's like freeze sleeves now that you can buy. There's so many sure. things. So talk, talk to us a little bit about, in, in your professional opinion, some of the things that you've seen, you know, um, in CrossFit and, you know, other sports, right now that 
seem to work. And I know everyone's a little bit different. Some mm-hmm. people don't like ice baths. And right. I swear by them. They work for me. And, yeah. uh, you know, other people say they, they don't. You know, and they're, they're, they're horrible and miserable. Right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about recovery. Sure. I mean, again, that's a, it's a personal preference, as you, can, as you just said. Um, I mean, the ice baths have their place in terms. Some will say don't ever do them. Some people want that flood of inflammatory markers to get into the tissue because with that comes the other markers to help rebuild tissue. Mm-hmm. And if you're turning that off, then you're not allowing those tissues, you know, those tissues to be flooded with it at the same time. Uh, the ice baths and the cryo chambers, they have, you know, they work under the philosophy that if you chill things down so hard and quickly, the body that says, well, I'm about to you know, go into frostbite scenario, I'm going to flood my extremities with blood, which then in a sense, Instead of constricting, you're flooding it with blood, which is what's bringing those, those markers into those tissues to help them recover. Um, but if you're in there and you're miserable and it's not helping, then, then get out. Yeah. You, know? Um, you know, everything from the, you know, I love the uh, the sleeves, you know, they crack me up because I, we used to use them in the hospital for our, our venous <laughs> patients for, uh, you know, that had fluid in the limbs from you know, lymph and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, if you still go in, you'll get them if you sit in, in a hospital bed too long to keep the lymph drainage from filling yeah, up in, into the legs or DVTs. Um, you know, the reinvention of the toaster is probably the most remarkable thing in CrossFit. I, you know, I, I keep seeing things who are reinvented and with new stickers on them and, and like, oh, yes, remember that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, they have, they have their place. And, and so people feel like they do very well with them. And you know, whether it's from the, you know, the E-STEM and which again, like power dot, like power dot those. I mean, those are, I mean, they're, they're stimulants. Sure. I mean, you're stimulating muscle tissue and you're trying to get that tissue to sort of settle down a little bit. That was in a hyperactive state. We've been using STEM and PT for forever. forever yeah. Um, it has its place. Um, but again, I you know I, I tell people you're not going to get cured from STEM. STEM is not going to you know be your problem fixer. It's going to make you feel better for a little while until you figure out what's going on. And if it's just a matter of settling the muscles down that got overworked, then great, that's fine. Um, but I'm also a big believer in active warm downs. Um, my my study when I was an undergrad, my exercise physiology study was looking at lactic acid and. And I had to take swimmers, um, which was easy because I was surrounded by them. And I took blood samples from them, which they didn't love, uh, after, <laughs> after a bunch of uh, laps in, um, at different levels of activity. And I looked at some who would just go sit on the bench or go hang out or go take a hot shower or whatever. And some would do an active warm down back in the pool, keep moving, but at a level, at a level just below raising the heart rate into that into those, uh, anaerobic threshold. So we would keep it so we were pumping the blood through and this pruvic acid and lactic acid moving, um, sort of letting the body flush itself. And we found that those lactic levels did come down faster with an active warm down. Uh, I'm a big believer in, you know, you just, you know, crush the bike, get back on the bike um, and just, you know, just move uh, and just pedal for five, 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it's just keeping the same body tissues moving at a much lower level um, will help the body sort of, you know, Reflush itself, um, and just finding finding something you just did. Keep it active. Warm downs of, of walking and moving. Um, you know, sometimes you have to lie there and you know, you know, slide, you know, slow around on the floor and you know, try to catch your breath and think, of why am I doing this? And then once you sort of peel yourself off, get up and walk and move. Um, and then you know, and then gently go through some of your maybe. Your dynamic, maybe into some of the static stretching. That's where a little bit more the static stretching can come into play, where um, you're taking those tissues into now that's full of blood. You can sort of 
elongate them and move them. But again, I almost sort of combine that with dynamic movement. I want those tissues to slide and glide past each other. I'm getting away from just static holds. I'm not sure that's the best thing now for our, our tissues, especially after we've been using them. Those tissues want to move. That's how they move. They move in parallel with each other, the fibers. So if you're moving them back and forth, but not under duress, then I think that's how it's going to heal itself. Um, and so there are so many things out there from supplements to, uh, you know, stem to ice to whatnot. Um, that, you know, they have dry their place, you know, dry needle, blah, blah, blah. And I dry needle patients all day long, you know, and some love it. And sometimes you need to because you've got to turn something off. It's just in a state of tetany and it can't get out of it. And so you throw a needle in it and poof, it feels better. And, they, it, and they're good. I said, that's not going to fix you. That's yeah. going to help you go fix yourself now. Um, so, and, and that's how we have to treat those, those modalities of which what they are, the modalities of, uh, which means things to help, help a process move along faster or better. And key, I think that something that I've learned, I mean, I've, I've come to you before with my back, yeah. with my, when I hurt my back and everything and knock on wood, it feels great now. Um, but it was that, and you mentioned it earlier with the stretching, mm -hmm. I had a back problem and I would just sit there and I would stretch out my hamstrings. I would stay in the static stretch, mm -hmm. um, until you introduced to me like that active recovery type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, stretching is important, yeah. but I think, you know, can you just tell the people a little bit more in depth about like, you know, like, and then you said it before, it's not a specific, you know, it might not be that hamstring or my glute. For me, my glutes weren't fire. I never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. um, but the importance of, you know, of getting that understanding of, okay, you have an elbow injury. It might not be your elbow. It could be your shoulder. It could mm -hmm. be something else. Um, just touch on those things a little bit to, to get a, a, for lack of a better term, a good workup in. Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, I, I tell people to look at themselves as a, as a tree. I mean, you know, our, our core, our middle body is the trunk, and, and then we have all these branches coming off of it. You know, the tree is only as strong as its root system. Um, you know, a good windstorm, it comes along, that thing is, it's, on, it's, it's down. Um, a lot of upper extremity issues, elbows, hands, wrists, sometimes they stem from, even shoulders, stem from a weak scapular stabilization. The shoulder blade, which is where all the rotator cuff muscles live, that's where they come from. That's, that's their base of support. And that's what moves the shoulder around. And if you're trying to lift something up and down with this long lever arm, but doesn't have a good base of support, you're going to run into a problem. Something's going to overwork trying to, to make up for something underworking. Uh, the same thing with, you know, as we said with the glutes, a lot of external rotators and people are, are weaker just based on, you know, what they sitting do and sitting. I mean, we work out hard sometimes for maybe an hour, if you're lucky, two hours a day. And some guys come back and do a double session. But look at the, you know, the remaining 16 hours in that day or, or you know, 12 hours a day that you're not doing something. Um, what are you doing? A lot of times we're not doing much more than, you know, being in this crumpled forward position where those tissues aren't being used. Um, so activating those posterior chain muscles more can help support the back tissue that was basically getting beat up because it was being asked to move in a, in a way, it was becoming more of a hinge uh, of back and forth um, of, of, um, versus having something supporting that movement pattern with the muscles that surround it. And um, so yeah, that's, that's again going back to what we do. When we look at people, we say, where's the fault? Whereas, you know, what's not activating right now that should be activating and then engaging that into the pre, you know, that warm up, even warm down scenarios of, of activity, sort of keep re-engaging those tissues and, you know, and do it throughout the day. You know, there's no reason if you have a, 
you know, uh, an external rotator issue um, within the hip. You know, there's the things you can do every time you stand up from your chair and the way you move your leg and you just do a single leg squat out of your chair. I mean, we can engage movement patterns throughout the day with everything we do if we just start thinking about it instead of just making it, you know, gym time only. And that's, that's the, that's the important part is just being hyper or just being aware, not even hyper, just being aware of, of how we're moving and, and what we're doing throughout the day and incorporating some of the small movements within everything we do. You know, we, we squat all day long. Yeah. Every time we sit down, every time we pick something up, every time we're, you know, on that toilet, we're squatting. Yeah. You know, I, I loved when, you know, someone goes to see their, their primary and they say, well, you can't, you got a bad back. The yeah, last thing I want you to do, no, no more squatting. squatting. <laughs> well, they're going to have a really no, rough life. <laughs> they're not squatting anymore because <laughs> there's a lot of squatting that goes on during the day. And if you don't learn how to squat right, you're going to be in trouble. That's so fascinating just hearing right. that and just hearing you talk about sitting. I'm like nervous now that I'm not sitting right now. <laughs> this whole time. I'm like, like my hunched over. And flexors are flexing. Like, flexing. And my, like, it, but, no, and I, I say that jokingly, but seriously, like if you think about like how you sit or sure. I travel a lot and I'm on a plane, you know, last year I did 35,000 miles on a plane and yeah. 15,000 in a car. So you're in that position the whole time. And I find like when I take my, like when I'm going to California, like I try to get up like every hour, you know, or I try to sit in a certain way or have extra leg room. So on that note though, and I know I've read some fascinating stuff about this, you know, for some people, like there's a lot of people here that are in our community that don't CrossFit, that Mm -hmm. don't run, Mm -hmm. um, but that have nine to five jobs and is sitting the new cigarette you know, use yeah. and, and what are some yeah. of the things Keith then like if you are sitting at a desk, like what are the things like we have stand up desks in our mm-hmm. office and I know mm-hmm. a lot of corporations have gone to this stand up desk model, you know, for the benefit of the employee because they realize like sitting at your desk for eight or nine hours or some employees ten hours a day right. can be very detrimental to your health for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And I think it's modification it's it's um in moderation of anything. You know, because I have some people that have gone to stand-up desks and all they do is stand all day and they're coming in with other issues. So we have to just, we have to realize sometimes too much of anything can cause an issue. You know, our our, we're, our bodies are mechanical machines that like to move. We're like sharks. You don't want to, you know, stay in one position too long. Because when we do, that's where we become stasis and stasis becomes a problem. Um, so yeah, if you're sitting for a little while, get up and stand. If you're standing for a while, go back and sit. You know, I'm sitting, you know, if you're slumping for a while because it feels good, go ahead, slump for a little while. But then, you know, re, you know, after a little while, you got to get out of that position and, and recorrect and uh, allow those joint tissues. Sometimes sitting forward isn't such a bad thing. Those tissues need to stretch in that direction too. But then at, you know, at the, end of the t- end of the day, you have to sort of reverse some of those tissues back into the other position. If you try to stay straight up and down all day long, you're going to probably be not that comfortable. Um, we also have to find ways that we can handle. You know, I, if you tell people like this is the only way you can sit, after a while they're gonna be like, screw that, I'm this is exhausting. Yeah. You know, I remember like the theraballs were the, the, the yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. sit on at oh, work, yeah, and yeah. people get all these big theraballs and like, oh look at me, I'm you yeah. know making my posture better, and come back a month later and the balls in the corner of the room, I'm like, hey, what happened to theraballs? Like, oh man, I can't do that. It's like it's killing me. It's like, yeah, well. You know, it, it's exhausting. It's not everything is meant to be done on a, you know, 100% all day basis. So I think it's just constantly being aware of how long have I been here? If you've been in that one position more than two hours, it's time to change. Um, you know, some, some may say that's even too long. But, you know, 
an hour to two hours goes pretty quickly when you're sort of sitting at your desk doing work. But if it goes beyond that, you should have made a change by now. And you know, even if it's move up and down, go get some water, you know, make sure you're not, you know, you're sitting away from something that you have to go and get every now and then. So you're, you're constantly forcing your body to, to make some movement patterns throughout the day. You know, and have a stand-up desk, great, stand up and then, you know, go and take the laptop and sit for a little while and, and re back and forth. Um, uh, because otherwise that's, I think to me, it's just the moderation of moderation yep. is really key. That's the key. Yeah. Just like anything in life. Just like moderation. anything in life. You know, we, <laughs> you could do everything 110%, but it only lasts so long. You have to, you got to find ways that you can, you can continue to do it because that's what the longevity of doing something is really what makes a difference. Makes a difference. We know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, I know we, we're, we're wrapping up soon here for our listeners out there. For them to avoid coming to see Dr. Key, <laughs> what are some of the keys? And uh, as much as we love you, Dr. Key, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. how do we avoid coming in? You know, for the weekend warriors, let's yeah. say, you know, for the people that are running, biking, crossfitting, um, not at a competitive level, yep. uh, what are just a couple of things that people can do uh, that would keep them out of physical therapy and getting injured? Sure, just coming up with a good plan. I figure out, okay, this is something I want to start doing. I haven't been doing it to talk to somebody that's educated and doing that and come up with a good plan on how to progress into it. You know, the ones I usually see, the ones they say, well, I, I'm going to run a marathon and, and okay, great. How much have you run? Well, I haven't run at all. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we need to start here before yeah. we get there. And so you have to come up with a plan. Um, and, and I think having that plan and following through on that plan. And as I said before, you know, moderation of how we do things is the key. Um, if something is hurting when you're doing it, that's your body saying, something's off and and you know don't always drive through you know people say you know it doesn't bleed it doesn't hurt well yeah but that also means i'll probably see you too um <laughs> so um so you know some pain we've gotten used to dealing with when it comes to athletics there's there's athletic pain of dealing with just the pain of pushing our muscle tissues and you know that's just like athletic push pain you know that's something you just deal with and you have to find that dark space sometimes to get through that last 30 seconds of, of whatever it is. Um, but then there's that other pain. You just know, your body tells you when it's, this isn't right, this pain I'm feeling right now, there's something wrong. And I know if I continue down this path, it's only gonna get worse. And when you, those bells and whistles, and those warning signs start going off, that's when you have to back off and sort of readdress and relook at what you're doing. And if it's either talk to somebody about it or it's you know sort of looking back at yourself, what changes did I just make? Um, or did I jump into something faster than I should have with my next level or my next step, maybe bring it back down one more level again. Those are the kind of things you sort of take into consideration. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Keith, I appreciate your time. This has been deal. really fascinating, uh, to hear, uh, you talk about a lot of top, a lot of topics, uh, but a lot of things for me, at least I hit home with uh, injury prevention and being injured and CrossFit and the running. glory days of basketball. Yeah, the glory days of basketball <laughs> and, and getting uh, my butt whipped by Wooster. There you so, go. Go Woo. A, yeah, go Woo. Yeah. For our audience at home, if they want to learn more about your services sure. here locally here in Connecticut, yep. um, how can they find you? Yep. So I'm at uh, I'm in downtown Milford on the Green. Uh, Prolete Physical Therapy is uh, is is, uh, is our name. We're at the end of the Milford Green at 247 Broad Street. Um, we are here Monday through Friday, waiting and willing to, to see whatever uh, scenarios you guys have come up with. Uh, and and we, as I said, we see all, all shapes, sizes, ages, uh, categories, whatever you can think of. Uh, 
Um, we just we we just we're just your, your general problem solvers, and that's what we like to do. So, awesome. Yeah. And website? Yeah, website. Yep. ProLetePT.com. Awesome. Yep. P-R-O-L-E-T-E. ProLetePT.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Keith. Yeah, Dino, my pleasure. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate all you do, uh, keeping us uh, safe and sound and healthy so that we can uh, battle these marathons and battle through CrossFit. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate you guys uh, including me in this. Awesome. Thank you.